I typically end my podcasts the way I'm going to start this one. Empowered people empower people. With your message in hand and your marketing skills sharpened, my goal is that you take action and empower others. While I truly believe that empowered people empower people, I also believe that empowered people empower themselves. As owner and chief strategist of the Empower PR Group, I'm in the business of empowerment. And today I want to let you in on a little secret. My favorite way to empower myself is by reading. Who would have thought? Hey, I'm Stephanie Feger, and I'm obsessed with empowering you, the nonfiction author, with impactful marketing strategies to help you take your important message and share it with those who desperately need it, want it, and will buy it. Today, I'm sharing with you a way I get empowered, and it's through reading. Since I learned how to read, I could always be found with a book in my hands. Just ask my mom. And as I've grown, that's remained the same. Books build bridges, not walls. I believe that. In fact, I've seen them actually break down walls. They invite you into a new way of thinking. They whisk you away into make-believe. They spark imagination. They challenge you. They are doors to new opportunities. Can you tell I love books? (laughs) Books are powerful. And I believe that they hold power both through writing them and reading them. So during this pop-up episode, I'm going to prove that to you as I share my favorite insights from a recent book I've read and how it could push you, author friend, to become empowered. Are you ready? This is the Empowered Author Podcast. I'm a member of a year-long coaching program. It's actually a group coaching program. And while I've been a coach for years for other people, this is my first experience directly having a business coach myself. Well, outside of me having a book coach, that is. And let me just tell you, wow, you can't see my face right now, but like it's big. Wow. (laughs) No matter who you are, let me tell you this. You need a coach, I'm just saying. Outside of the value I get from all aspects of the program, I mean, the program has masterminding, engagement, laser coaching, accountability, and like so much more that I could ever articulate. Outside of that, one of my favorite parks is probably, you could guess, the book club. That's a no-brainer, right? Of course I would love that. I'm a book nerd. Each quarter, the program recommends two books for us to read as a group. It's not a requirement. It's a nice to have, but the perfectionist in me takes it on as a challenge. Absolutely, I'll read those two books, even if I would never have picked the book up in the first place. And the book I'm going to tell you about is one of them. Think and Grow Rich for Women, Using Your Power to Create Success and Significance by Sharon Letcher. And it's authorized by the Napoleon Hill Foundation. For many reasons, this book is one I would never have picked up. First of all, being rich isn't something that's on my bucket list. I understand money holds value. But I'll be completely honest, I don't aspire to be rich. There's something about that word that bugs me, and it's just not one of my goals. In fact, my goal is to have enough. And for some people, being rich and having enough are the same and synonymous. But to me, they look a little different. And there's another reason why I would never have picked up this book. The book itself isn't one that I would pick up. It has tiny print and it's on cream pages. And listen, like I'm one of those readers who like crisp white pages and a book that smells amazing and one that's not over like 200 pages. This one's over 300 pages. I was intimidated by its size from the very beginning that Amazon delivered it to me. But I remember I had already accepted the challenge before opening the book. Listen, Stephanie, you are going to read it because I had to read it, even if it pained me in the process. 
And if I'm being completely honest with you, the beginning was a little painful for me. So you may be asking yourself, Stephanie, why are you telling me about a book that you weren't fond of in the first place? Well, let me tell you this. I want you to think back on a time when something that you had found yourself charged with in the first place turned into the bane of your existence. You didn't want to do it. You started and you still didn't like it. But after finishing it, you understood the purpose of it all along the way and you were grateful for the process the learning, and those key takeaways that you now have. Yes, that's the relationship that I have with this particular book. I didn't want to start it. And when I began, I wasn't really loving it. But after I read the last page, it all made sense. It had purpose. It has value. And I want to share it with you, too, especially through the lens of some of my key takeaways. So first off, let me give you a brief overview This book is built upon a framework found in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill during an era when, quote unquote, all the titans of business were men. That was literally quoted on the back of the book. (laughs) Sharon Letcher takes this classic 13-step process that Napoleon used to find success and intertwines new age thinking, insights from successful women, and personal experience to shed light on how women can use this framework in our world today. And I walk away reading this book realizing that men and women have a lot of similarities and a lot of differences, and we can use those to our benefits, actually. So as the book's description shares, I found this interesting. It says, women are the future of American business. And this book gives women direction in that journey. Now, for my male listeners out there, do not fret. The 13 principles are relevant to you too, and my key takeaways will be relevant to you as well. So let's dive in. This book walks us through the 13 steps that Napoleon uses, and it's one at a time it walks us through and layers insights on each from the previous. However, my three favorite steps are these, and these are what I'm going to build upon here momentarily. Um, The first one is auto-suggestion. The second is the power of the mastermind, and the third is the subconscious mind. And those are not the first three steps in the 13-step process. They're intermingled throughout the whole book. But I think the reason that I love those three is because they're all actually interwoven together. So my first key takeaway that I want to touch on today is on auto-suggestion. In fact, they explain auto-suggestion as this. Auto-suggestion is the medium for influencing the subconscious mind. I believe 100% that our internal story, the story we're telling ourselves probably right now, has a way of playing out externally. What we think tends to happen. Many call it the self-fulfilling prophecy. I like the law of attraction. I also like to say this, that what you think becomes that which you speak, and that which you speak becomes that which you seek. It's all interwoven. And if our thoughts have such power, I always like to challenge people to say, really, if what you think can be created, why not use that to propel yourself instead of hold you back? So in the in the 13 steps of this book, Napoleon Hill refers to this concept of leveraging your thoughts in powerful ways as auto-suggestion. And he believes that auto-suggestion can directly influence our level of success and our belief in its possibility. So the book states, quote, we each have the ability to consciously change our circumstances by intentionally concentrating on positive actions and thoughts, which in turn influences our subconscious mind to follow suit. This happens by focusing on achieving positive outcomes in our life, both what we want 
to receive as well as what we are willing to give in exchange for receiving it, end quote. I find this interesting because I look back on my life and I realize a couple times that were real pivotal for me where I made this mental shift and I started to see beautiful things happen from it. Now, Sharon shares in her version of these 13 principles that for her to break through her negative thoughts and embrace auto-suggestion, she made a new life mantra for herself. And it is, why not? Why not? That's her life mantra. When she tries something new and it overwhelms her, she asks herself, well, why not give it a try? Why not see where this exciting opportunity can take me, right? Why not? It's interesting when I read that because I thought, you know, I actually very similarly have my own mantra as well. In fact, my mantra, I wouldn't really call this one my mantra, but something I ask myself instead is, well, what's the worst that could happen? Now, you might think that takes you to a negative place, but for me, it actually takes me to a positive one because I started to realize that when I sit down and figure out what the worst worst thing that could happen is, it's really not that scary. Like I wanted to start this podcast, but I was so nervous right? I asked myself, what's the worst that could happen? And the answer wasn't that bad, right? No one, no one would listen or I'd get exhausted and not continue it. No big deal. You move on. But why not try it, right? I did the same thing when I decided to write a book. What's the worst that could happen? No one buys it. It's okay. I'd already decided I'd have 500 copies of my book in my basement. And I would prove to my kids that when you have a dream, you can make it a reality. And that wasn't so scary. In fact, that was very empowering. So why not do it? I asked myself the same thing when I created a business. What's the worst that could happen? And time and time again, after I've asked myself, what's the worst that could happen? I've decided that it's not that scary on the back end. And I set it aside, the worst that could happen, and decided to go for it anyway, not giving it a second thought. That is auto-suggestion at work. Auto-suggestion is a powerful tool and it can be used for you as an author. Maybe you need help get moving in the first place. Maybe you need help getting over being stuck or seeing yourself as worth it. Maybe you need help propelling you. Auto-suggestion can help you do that. My second key takeaway in this book actually comes from a quote that Helen Keller said. It's quoted in the book. It says, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. I love that. It just feels good, right? It just makes me all warm and fuzzy on the inside, but it's truth. We were created for community. When I go to church, it tells me that. When I look around the world and how the pandemic has impacted all of us, like I can see that community is important, that without it, it creates worry for others. And I've seen the power of community in my professional and personal growth. However, community has the power to push you forward or hold you back. So you want to find the right community or what Napoleon calls the right mastermind in all aspects of your life. That is pivotal. So my key takeaway number two is around this concept of the power of mastermind. Napoleon describes mastermind as the coordination of knowledge and effort in a spirit of harmony between two or more people for the attainment of a definite purpose. Let me break that down a little bit more. (laughs) He believes that mastermind is when two or more people come together for a specific reason and they coordinate their knowledge and insights and effort in a way to create harmony for the betterment of everybody. So I created a mastermind before I joined one. You probably have too and didn't even realize it. I would do it when I worked a nine to five at the lunch table and we needed a collective group to come together to get through the day. I would do it with the teams that I worked on. I'll never forget one of my 
one of my best coworker friends uh, and peers and honestly just best friend in general always said, Stephanie, I don't know how you're able to create community across across the nation because the organization we worked with was um, nationwide. And, you know, it's, the, it's just this beautiful proof of masterminding what happens when you collaborate with people. And I've also done this with a peer prior to joining my group coaching program and having a formalized mastermind. And I can tell you from personal experience, masterminds are powerful. Napoleon knew this, and he outlined two key advantages to a mastermind. He calls it the economic advantage and the spiritual advantage. The economic advantage to a mastermind is this. You gain the advantage of experience, education, ability, and imagination of everyone that's in the mastermind together at once, right? You're not investing in gaining all of that knowledge yourself. You're learning it from other people. You're bringing it together. It's an economic advantage. There's also a spiritual advantage. He talks about the spirit of harmony and how that spirit of harmony creates increased energy that becomes available to each person in the group. That whole concept, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, rings true here. And the spiritual advantage of a mastermind is proof of that. All right, my author friend. All right, author friend. Do you have a mastermind group you are a part of? There are many available to join and I encourage you to go for it. Join a writer's group. I did that and loved it. Join a networking group. I've also done that and loved it. Join a bunco club or a Bible study. I've done both those too and loved it as well. Identify a priority in your life and find a group of people who will help you reach your goal. And get this, if you can't find a group, you can make one. I've done that too. Together, there is power. Allow that power to be used for your benefit. All right. My third key takeaway from this book is this. The subconscious mind is the connecting link to everything. So I was sitting in the waiting room for an MRI of my brain with this book in my hand open to this chapter. Call it coincidence if you'd like. I call it purposeful. Understanding the mind is why I was having the procedure in the first place. My brain needed a well check for many reasons, and I was elated to be reading a chapter on the power of it. First thing to note, though, this book actually separates out the brain and the mind into two different things in two different chapters. The chapter on brain is awesome, too. Actually, I really, really loved it. But I challenged myself in this episode to just pick three key takeaways. So I had to get rid of that one, and I kept the subconscious one for you. Uh, however, that chapter on the on the mind and on the subconscious mind was mind-boggling, pun totally intended. So this chapter pushes you to separate out your subconscious and your conscious mind. It explains, quote, your conscious mind can serve as a gatekeeper by controlling what thoughts it serves up to your subconscious, end quote. And listen, auto-suggestion makes all that possible. For instance, this book uses a specific example on money. So if you're always worried about money, it encourages you or recommends that you actually have fear, underlying fears of of scarcity and of poverty. And these are negative thoughts that will occupy your subconscious mind. However, through auto-suggestion, you can shift your focus to away from those, those fears and focus on abundance. And when you do that, your subconscious mind will shift over time to that of a positive outcome. So here are a few interesting points that I wrote down on this topic. 
Point number one, your mind cannot occupy positive and negative negative thoughts at the same time. Like you can't be happy and sad at the same time. You can't have faith and also doubt. Like it just doesn't work that way. Those are opposing. Those are pulling your mind in different ways and it just won't, it just won't happen. Number two, your conscious mind rests at night, but your subconscious, it never stops thinking or working ever. It's like a 24 hour day, seven days a week kind of job. Um, And you know that if you're anything like me and you sleep and still think through your sleep, but that subconscious never stops. Number three, your subconscious is driven by emotion. So it's important to flip your conscious mind to focus on feelings of positive emotions, not negative ones, because those negative ones will get stuck in your subconscious instead of the positive. So you always want it to be positive. Number four, any thoughts that we charge with emotion expands. This I thought was really interesting. These expanded thoughts fall into our subconscious and it gives us more time to dwell on it. So that's why we need to expand the emotions that we connect with our thoughts, especially the positive ones. We need to spend more time thinking on the positive thoughts. When we feel these negative thoughts come through, we don't want to charge them. We want to let them go. Like, hi, saw ya, great, I'm going to drop you off here and never think of you again because it will stick. So you want to only charge your positive thoughts because those charged thoughts fall into your subconscious. And number five, there was this particular quote I thought was really interesting. It says, by unlocking the power of your subconscious, you can retrain it through positive thoughts and actions to help you realize your goals. So what does this mean for you, author friend? Well, do you find yourself floundering and immobilized to write that book, to market it, to tell people about it, to build a business from it? I want you to dig deeper and understand why. What is your conscious mind telling your subconscious and how can you use auto-suggestion to fix it? Listen, train your thoughts to work for you, not against you. So this book is deep, (laughs) you could probably tell. And even my mom would agree because on my way home from my MRI, I was telling her all about it instead of telling her about the procedure. And she laughed, sharing that I never let my mind stop running with ideas. That's when I realized why I like to read. I use books as auto-suggestion tools in my own life. So if you're anything like me, I can't stop my mind from running a mile a minute all the time. I always have a new idea. I always am replaying everything on my endless to-do list. But when I read, I train my mind to pause and take in a new idea and it excites me. And reading books that push push me down the right path for success, you know, I see as that being the cherry on top of my lovely, delicious Grater's ice cream banana split. So if you're looking for a book to help guide you to be the best you possible, this book may be for you. If you're interested in understanding the underlying success metrics of successful people and successful women, I'd recommend you dive into it. If you can't figure out why you're stuck or how to get unstuck, this book may push you a bit and it might be worth it. And if you're wanting to reach your potential, I do believe this book can guide you down that path. So my favorite quote in the book is actually the definition that Sharon shares of what worry is. This is a definition that was shared with her and Sharon, the author, shares it with us. And the reason it resonates with me so much is that I too am a worrier. Here's what her definition was. She says, to worry is to pray for what you do not want. Let me say that again so that it sinks in. To worry is to pray for what you do not want. 
Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get deep for a minute. Growing up, I worried about everything. I worried if I said the wrong thing. I worried if I made a mistake. I'm being honest with you. My aunt could actually tell you stories about my worries and my mom too. I went to confession for taking a piece of paper at a grocery store that was a survey for crying out loud. I wasn't even taking anything. It was something they wanted me to take and I worried about it. And my aunt reminds me regularly about my apologies as a kid when I would touch her wall on accident because, you know, I was worried I would ruin the paint. Seriously, my worries run deep. (sighs) Sigh, younger Stephanie, you worried way too much. But something my mom said always helped me out. She would tell me, Stephanie, I don't want you to worry about this. In fact, when you find yourself worrying, tell me about it. And I promise I'll tell you if it is something worth worrying about. And to this day, Like I think about all the things I've told my mom and I realize that nothing that I've worried about was ever something she said, this is worth worrying over. So Sharon's definition of worry hit home. It reminded me that when you put your energy focusing on something that isn't true and may never be, you're charging a thought and you're telling your subconscious to think about it more. (laughs) Heck no, I don't want that. So stop those worries in your tracks. Shift yourself and start praying for what you do want and invite the universe, God, your conscious and your subconscious mind along the way. Y'all, sometimes books can surprise you. And about halfway through this one, I told my husband that if I were in the business of quitting before I finished, I would put this one down and walk away. Um, But I'm not in that type of a business. And let's be honest, this book was a little too much for me at first. I wasn't digging it. But when I start a book, I have to finish it. It's a chronic problem of mine. And sometimes that means I'm finishing books I just don't like. But in this instance, it means that I gave a book a second chance and I'm glad I did. I finished the book with a newfound sense of peace, better understanding myself and my purpose and figuring out the steps I need to take to get even closer to my goals. Y'all give this book a shot. Even if getting rich isn't one of your goals, like it's not for mine, reaching your potential should be, and this book can give you the steps to get there. All right, empowered author friend, never stop being empowered because you guessed it, empowered people empower people. I've empowered you. Now go pick up a book and empower yourself even more.